invite you to take your scriptures and turn back to that Romans 12 passage again, please. Page 947, if you're using the Red Bible. Uh, I think it was about 10 plus years ago, maybe a little bit more. They had a show on television, maybe you've watched it before, called Extreme Makeover. Um, pretty much it was a once-in-a-lifetime li- once opportunity, kind of like a Cinderella-like experience, um, that they would come in and pretty much change your life. Um, started with your looks, they would do your hair over again, and even your teeth, and your eyes, and your eyelashes, and help you lose weight, they'd give you a new wardrobe, and all kinds, I mean, really from top to bottom, I mean, just an extreme makeover. That led to extreme makeover, the house edition. And uh, they would come in and they would start and they would just take your house, almost gut it. They would really, it, it, the whole thing was radically changed. And if you ever watch that show, um, I thought the house one was cool. But the person, I mean, just the amazing difference in what some, and they always showed, like, this is what they looked like before. And this is what they look like afterward. I mean, it was almost at points where I thought, that's not the same person. I mean, it can't be. I mean, the the transformation was so unbelievable that you almost thought, no, it's not the same one. Not the same person. You know what? Romans 12, 1 and 2 is a spiritual extreme makeover passage in the Bible. And there's a lot of them. I mean, Philippians 4 has one. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3 has one. The Mount of Transfiguration is another one. But this one in particular is a wonderful extreme makeover passage, but it's not about changing your looks. It's really about changing your life. This text is not about changing just the outside, but far more important, changing the inside. It's not about a makeover of your hair or your house, but more importantly, your heart. And so today, in the few moments we had together, I want to unpack just the three aspects of a spiritual makeover and what God does in someone's life to transform it. And so the first one being this, and I call it the wow of an extreme makeover. And I use the word wow because in verse 1, there's a phrase in it that often gets run by very quickly because we're such a hurry to get to the rest of these two verses, which I understand because they are dense um, with power and meaning. But the phrase starts off this way. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. And here it is. By the mercies of God. So Paul starts out with this. I want to talk to you about an extreme spiritual makeover that God does in the life of someone when they get saved and what that looks like in their life. But I got to start here, he says. I want you to show you what transformation or a spiritual makeover is built on. Here's what he says. Mercies of God, plural. He says, mercy means I'm not getting what I deserve. I deserve wrath, condemnation, judgment, but God's not giving me that. In fact, Romans 8 says to us who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. But that's what we deserved because of our sin and our rejection and our disobedience. Scripture says what we deserve from God is his judgment and wrath. But what he gives to us, not condemnation, what he gives to us in Christ is rather transformation. And that transformation is only possible, Paul says, by the mercies of God. So Paul says that being transformed is this. It's being first moved by mercy. In other words, the transformed life 
the extreme makeover spiritually that can take place in your life when you're saved is built on and built around the mercies of God. So let me say it to you this way. You cannot be transformed by God until you are first captivated by God. Can I say that to you again? You cannot be transformed by God until you are first captivated by God. And captivated, I mean this, that you have to be moved by his mercy and what he has done for you through the salvation that he has given to us in Christ Jesus. And see, being moved by mercy is so pivotal in Paul's idea of God's extreme spiritual makeover in our life that he says it's the very basis of what I'm going to tell you in Romans 12, 1 and 2, the appeal that I have. He says, I appeal to you, brothers. Well, what's the basis for living this transformed life? He says, you have to be first moved. Listen, moved, not just cognitively in your mind. Yes, that, but more emotionally, theologically, behaviorally. I mean, you have to be moved down to the very core of who you are. You have to be rocked by, blown away by, How merciful God has been to you. Now this is so crucial to Paul that he frames the entire two chapters or three chapters before Romans 12, 1 and 2. The whole thing is framed by God's mercy. Let me show you. Turn back if you have your scriptures to chapter 9 in Romans. This whole section, chapter 12, 1 and 2, is the capstone of the whole thing presentation in chapters 9 through 11. Paul's using chapters 9 through 11 to build up to the climax of our two verses. And here's how he frames that whole argument. Look at chapter 9 and verse 15. In this passage, he's going to use the word mercy five times. And he says, What shall we say then, verse 14, is there injustice on God's part? Never be, or by no means. For he says to Moses, see, watch, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it does not depend on human will or exertion, but on God, here's again, who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So he's going to say it one more time. So then he who has mercy on whom he wills, and he hardens, who he wills. And so here's what God says. Let me tell you about my mercies. They are sovereign. God's sovereign mercies. He has shown, Paul says this, ready? Be wowed by this. God showed mercy on you. He didn't send you to eternal separation from him in hell according to what he could have. And the basis of his mercy was not your merit. See, you couldn't work for it. You couldn't be good enough. It's not your religiosity. It's not the fact that you came to church this morning, wore some nice clothes, brought your Bible, and didn't yell at your children in the car when they were acting up. That's not why. It wasn't your merit. It was his mercy. It was God God looked at your life and, and said, listen, I choose them because of my mercy, because of my compassion. God's mercy is sovereign. Later on in chapter 9, just a few verses down the thing, he says, see, there are two types of people. There are vessels of wrath and there are vessels of mercy. Now listen this morning. If you are here and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you are confident in that based on the scripture and the Holy Spirit working in your life, can I tell you this? There are billions of people 
who don't know that. Have you ever sat and looked and watched people go by, see big crowds of people, and you say, you know what? God saved me from my sin. But a lot of these people don't believe that, and they don't know that. And does it ever humble you? Does it ever move you to think, God, I'm no better than them. In fact, I may be at times worse than some of them. So it's not because of how great I am. It's because of how great his mercy is. And Paul says, let me show you how pivotal it is. Because if this doesn't move you, you will not live the transformed life, he says. So let me show you, God in his sovereign mercy has shown compassion on you and I when we didn't deserve it. So that's how he starts it, the first end of the book end. And then chapter 11, if you'll turn over there, in verse 30. Let me read verse 29. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Verse 30, now watch, four times he's going to say, for just as you were at one time disobedient, now he's going to contrast, it's the I used to be this, and now see the extreme makeover stuff? Now, this was me before, and now this is me after God's mercy, he says. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now you have received, what? Mercy because of their disobedience. So at one point, The Jews were disobedient, and now the Gentiles have brought in. And God's going to say this. See, I've got mercy for everyone. So they, too, have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they may also receive mercy. See, so God says, I have caused everyone to be disobedient in the sense that that's what they've done. And God says, I'm sovereign over that. And because of it, now I can bring mercy to everyone, whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile. See, God says, I've got enough mercy for everyone. For God has consigned all to disobedience. Why? Verse 32, that he may have mercy on all of them. See, Paul just can't say it enough. Let me tell you this. Not only did God choose you and show mercy on you, not based on your merit, but I'm telling you, he can do it for anyone. And it doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or Gentile. Let me be more specific. It doesn't matter whether you're black or white, rich or poor, whether you are religious or not, whether your social status is here or here. It doesn't matter to God. God says, listen, I have brought all kinds of people out of disobedience and into salvation, and I have transformed their lives. And the reason is so that I can showcase and display my mercy. That's what God says. And so he says this, listen, before I can even talk to you about how you should live your life, before I can talk to you about how you should be transformed and how you should be more like Jesus, here's what has to happen. You have to be blown away by the mercies of God, moved by his mercies, and then Paul can't help himself. Right before our two verses, verses 33 through 36 of chapter 11, he breaks into this doxology. And listen to what he says, because it's emotionally laden. Verse 33, he says, see it? Oh. And it is actually a translatable word. It's not just put in there. It's oh, the depths of the riches. And the word depths is the English word we get bathos bathosphere, and and it means to go down deep into the ocean. And here's what Paul says. You know what blows me away? When I consider the mercies of God, they are so deep and they are so wide and there is so much to them. He goes, it just blows me. Oh, the depths 
of what God did in bringing all of the redemptive story together so that Jew or Gentile, anyone who's been disobedient and sinning against God can know his mercy. He goes, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. Oh, the depths of the mercies of God, the riches and knowledge, how unsearchable his judgments and his ways past finding out. Paul says, listen, be blown away by it. Can I say I think this morning at times we have lost the O. We've lost the O. Oh, God's mercy, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. I'm really thankful. No, Paul says, I, I can't even say, oh. He would say, oh, the depths of it. I, I'm moved by it emotionally. It might even brought him to tears. I don't know. But it moved him. Mercy is meant to move us. You remember back in October of 2006, Charles Roberts walked into an Amish schoolhouse where there were 10 little girls. And he ended up murdering five of them. And then he killed himself. That very day, the Amish people got together and began to take care of the murderer's wife. She writes in an article, Killer's Wife Salutes Amish Mercy. And she writes this, I was overwhelmed by the forgiveness and grace and mercy shown to my family following the rampage. Within 24 hours of her daughter being killed, or their daughters being killed, they all got together and forgave the shooter. Some of them got together and they brought food to her. That means the shooter's wife. They set up Imagine this, they set up a bank account at the local bank account and all the Amish people began to donate money toward it so that she could be taken care of with her children. The mother and grandmother of one of the young victims that, were killed, that was killed the next day took relatives of Mrs. Roberts, whose husband had killed them, took their relatives that had come and kept them at their house for days. To respond to that mercy, she says this, your love for our family And the gifts you have given have touched my heart, and this is what she says, in a way no words can describe. She was moved by mercy. Now listen, that's an example of human mercy on a limited level. If she was, in her words, overwhelmed by it, she says, No words can describe it. If that's her feeling about Amish mercy, what about almighty mercy? What about the mercy on a divine level? Not just a temporal, this life level, as important as that is, but how about on an eternal level? Here's what Paul says. Oh, oh, the depths of the riches, the wisdom and knowledge of God. His mercies are unbelievable. That's the wow of it. And can I tell you this? It's our duty. It should be our desire every day as we get in the scriptures to say, God, I want to be wowed by the extreme makeover that has begun in my life because of the mercies that you have showered on me lavishly in Jesus. But now Paul gets saved. Now that we got that straight, he goes, let me, let me go to the what of an extreme makeover. And he says in the verse, here's what God's mercy should move you to do. Here it is, infinitive, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. By definition, an extreme makeover changes everything. 
So the house addition, they didn't go in and say, hey, we, uh, we re- completely renovated your garage, but that's the only thing we touched. No, if you watch the show, they touch everything. So when you get an extreme makeover personal version, they don't just do your hair. They do your face and your makeup and your eyes, and they make your teeth better and whiter, and you lose weight, and they give you new clothes, and they, they even tell you how to talk and, and present yourself and all this kind of stuff. Why? Because an extreme makeover changes everything have you seen that new app? I have it on my phone, or I used to. It's when they take you and make you look older and give you the version. Have you seen that? Well, it makes you look as old, a lot older than you are. So I call it extreme make older. And they can do that. Well, that's kind of like this in reverse. See, this is like extreme makeover says, I want to show you what you would look like, not when you're older, but if you were like Jesus. This is what you would look like, he says. So here's the key. God's mercies wants to transform your life completely. So there are two areas. Look at the scripture. They're both there. If you are wowed by God's mercies, you'll be moved to be transformed through his spirit and word in two ways. See, it'll change your body and how you view it, and it'll change your mind. The outside and the inside. Look at chapter 12 and verse 1. Present your, see it, your bodies. In verse 2, he's going to say, The process takes place when I transform your mind. So here's the thing. God cares about both. He cares about your body and your mind. They both matter to God. God is not just interested in what you think. He's not just interested in your beliefs. He's also interested in your behavior, whether you're living out what you think is true according to the scriptures. But keep in mind that this is a spiritual offering God is not here to say, hey, the extreme makeover, when I say your body, I'm not interested. I know everyone's obsessed with it today, but I'm not here to make over your body and make you muscular or thinner or more in shape or real good looking because obviously you know that's true, right? That hasn't happened. What he's after, he's not trying to change your looks. He's trying to change your life. So why does God want my body to be transformed Because, here's why, our bodies allow us to make visible, ready, the mercies of God by the way that we act. Please remember this, ready? Being moved by mercy is to make you a model of mercy. See, God wants you to be moved by mercy so that he can make you a model of mercy. That's what a living sacrifice is. See, you belong to Hear me, to God completely, he says, outside and inside. A life built on God's mercies is a life that ought to behave like it. So part of an extreme makeover is that God changes your view of your body from the world's perspective to his perspective about your body. Listen to his perspective. Can I read it for you? 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? And five of the most important words in the New Testament, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. So glorify God, here it is, in your body. See, Models of mercy use their bodies to glorify God. Why? Because their body is not their own. Christian, God owns your body. He does. 
Why is that so crucial this morning? Why does Paul make that the first thing about what it looks like to be transformed? Because we live in a culture as it was in first century Rome where nobody believes that. See, everyone believes today that my body is my own and I get to call the shots. The argument today that abortion is right and women will say, and so practically everybody else, is it's my body. And for Christians who know the scriptures and are being transformed, we would understand that logic to be a lie. Because Jesus paid for your body. The Bible says you have been bought with a price. Your body is yours. And God wants you to see it as his. He wants you to live it as his. And he wants you to understand that that's spiritual worship. That's your response to my mercy. God says, here's why. You live according to my word because the mercy I've shown you helps you to be a model of my mercy. And here's what Paul's term is for that. It's a living sacrifice. That's what's going on in our culture today. My body is mine. Sexuality, God's view of sex, is not just merely a physical act. It's not recreational. Spiritual ramifications are also involved in it. It is between a man and a woman and a covenant relationship of marriage and commitment. That's God's view of sexuality in your Bible, in your body. But see, what the Bible says is never or hardly not adopted by our culture. Fornication, adultery, homosexuality are all things people do when they view their body as theirs and not God's. Transgenderism is a rejection of God's view of the body. God said, I have made them male and female. You don't get to decide. God already has. It's a rejection of God's sovereign mercies. And his creation. See, models of mercy know that their bodies belong to God and not themselves. So they belong to God and they live it for God. That's what a living sacrifice is. You and I are expected because of the mercies of God that every act in my body is to be a living act of worship to God. Every act, every act in your living body is a visible demonstration that your life has been built on the mercies of God. That's why the next phrase qualifies it. A living sacrifice, and what are the dis- holy and acceptable, listen, to God. The standard is God, not your friends, not Vogue magazine, not teenage books, not what's popular on the internet. Holy and acceptable To God. Holy means set apart, not common. Christians should not view their way, their body, to be used in such ways that is common in culture. God says, no, if you know anything about my mercies, you're going to care about what I think more than anybody else thinks about your body. And I get questions all the time. Pastor Walker, what about body piercings? What about body painting? And is it right or wrong, Pastor Walker? And I always say, you're asking the wrong question. The key question is not whether it's right or wrong or not. The question is this. Does it display a life built on the mercies of God? 
Does it model God's mercy? Would that help me model God's mercy? Would it help me display what God has done for me by the way I use my body? Would it be set apart to him? Would it be acceptable to him? Not whether it's fashionable or somebody likes it, but whether God likes it or not. And here's what he says. And if you, can I say it? And if you don't like that, he says, Rethink the mercies because here's his response in 12.1. It is your spiritual worship. The word is liturgical and what it comes out to mean is this. It is your reasonable response. In other words, God says, listen, when I tell you that your body is mine and if you have a problem with that and you object to it and say, God, that's asking a lot. I don't know that I can do that. Here's what he says. Remember the mercies, he says. It is a fitting response that if Jesus, my son, died on the cross with his body, that you should give him yours, right? That's what he says. It's fitting. It's the right response, he says. So how can someone live for God daily with their body, with everything on the internet and the temptations and the freedom to have drugs now and alcohol? Because our daily walk has to be transformed by our daily worship. And Paul says this. You know how you get to be transformed? He says you have to remember the mercies, that that makes you a living sacrifice. And he says, and I own your body. How does this flesh itself out? Verse 2, don't be conformed to this world. He's just reiterating what he just said. The word conformed is the word schematics. It means it's a laid out plan. Did you know, listen to me, young people. Do you know our world has a pattern and a scheme, a plan of all that they're doing? This is no accident. See, our country is going somewhere. The sexual revolution is on purpose. It's going somewhere. And it's not going toward God. It's going away from God. And here's what Paul says. Listen, because of God's mercies in you and working for you and through you, listen, the first thing you got to do is say no to stuff. Don't be conformed to it. In fact, the only other time conformed is used in Romans is that it says, here's the object of this salvation, Romans 8, 29, that you would be conformed to the image of his son. So the idea is not to take the pattern of the world, but to take the pattern of Jesus. See, that's what it means to be a Christian. It's someone who has been so inundated and embedded with the mercies of God that they can't imagine living their life any other way than trying to be like Jesus in everything. That's what he's trying to say to us. So don't be conformed to this world. Here it is. Be transformed, he says. Metamorphosis is the word. From the inside out. See, extreme makeovers, spiritual versions, they are from the inside out. This isn't about your looks and your muscles or all that. This is about your heart, your mind, your soul. And God says, I want your body, yes, on the outside, But you know what? That'll never be possible. And you would think in your mind that it's absolutely ludicrous what he's asking if you have the same mindset the world has. If you're following their schematics about life and how it works. Here's what Paul says. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How does it happen? By the renewal of your mind. See, I told you before, God cares about your body, but he also wants your mind. He wants you to change the way you think. 
See, the world says, I think this way about sex, I think this way about gender, I think this way about love and relationships, and I think this way about everything. And Paul says, listen, that's not the way you think. Because the way you think about those things will transform what you do with your life and your body and everything in it. He says that's what we have to get down to. We have to experience the transformation on the inside. The question is, is that you? Has a transformation taken place on the inside? That's the what of an extreme makeover. Last thing is why. He says, here's why. Why God wants your body and your mind. Ready? It's a little purpose clause. See it? That. That by testing, he says. It's use of metals that after you purify them in the heat of the furnace, they would come forth. You would see what they really are. That's the idea. Approved after testing. So here's what God says. As a Christian who has been transformed by the mercies of God, and God is changing you from the inside out. Every day you have opportunities, whether you're going to public high school, whether you're going to your job, living in your neighborhood, you, you're, you're, you, whether you're sitting in front of the internet, whether it's the movies you watch, the music you listen to, the clothes you wear, how you work your relationships, what you think your marriage is about. He sees every day we have multiple occasions where we can test out what we should be doing in life, how we should approach different circumstances. He says that by testing, you may discern, which by the way means this, it's not always easy to do. It doesn't just say in the Bible, here's what you do, and it's a list of every circumstance and situation, and God says, here's what you do, just look it up. No, you have to take what God says, and you have to apply those principles and that wisdom to your life and say, hey, this is what God's mercy has done for me. This is what Jesus is like. This is what the Bible says. And I have to constantly let the Holy Spirit renew my mind in it. So when I come to say, hey, should I date this girl who's lost? Should I take this job? Look, if I take this job, here's the money. But here's the other stuff I got to do with it. Should I live here in this nice suburban place? Or maybe I should live closer to downtown because maybe that'll give me opportunities to minister in other ways. And should I? And so we have opportunities, don't we? And we have to test them. He says, because here's the why. Because God wants you to do his will. Do you hear what he says? Verse 2. That by testing you may discern what the will of God is. Our world wants you to do what they want you to do. And in our sinfulness, at times, you and I do what we want to do. But God says it's only when you're transformed can you have a life orientated to do what I want you to do. That's transformation. That's an extreme makeover. Everyone around you does what the world says, TV says, the internet says, their friends say, and you do what you want to do. But here's what God says. When you're transformed, your passion and desire is to do what I want you to do. Now, put yourself in the opening illustration I used about the Amish. Remember what they did within 24 hours? They gave the murderer's wife food, set up a bank account for them, had relatives taken into their homes of the victims, to house them, would you do that? 
You know what our, what we want to do? You read the story. You know what we would want to do? What, was, what if it was your daughter murdered in that schoolhouse? What if that was yours? Would the first thing come to your mind? Let's forgive. Hey, by the way, let's give her food. Let's give her our money. Would that be what we do? You know, you know what we want to do? Revenge. Hate. Bitterness. Isolation. You're on your own. There's no way in the world I'm helping you. But the Amish people were moved by mercy because they'd already got it themselves. And see, that's the question for all of us, isn't it? Would you have given her food? Would you have given her your money? Would you have given her a place in your house? Models of mercy, that's what they were. Can I read for you? These are the verses after Romans 12 too. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Weep with those who weep. Verse 17, hear this. Repay, repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Romans 12, 19. Brethren, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. Romans 12, 21. Don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Why are all those verses following 12.2? You know why? They are perfect examples of what it means to be a model of mercy. Paul says, let me just paint it out for you as clear as possible. See, here's how you show mercy in your church and outside your church. When people love you and when they hate you, he says. That's what it means to be a model. And see, it's not really clear about how wild we are about being mercified by God until we show it in our lives, especially to others who, we would say, don't really deserve it. There's ever a time in American history that we need people who are moved by the mercy of God and are transformed by it through the renewing of their minds and the Holy Spirit in Scripture, it is now. You see, God's mercies are for God's makeovers. He wants to make your life over if you let him. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. We're going to conclude with a chorus, a simple one. The words are good for us. Change my heart, O oh God. See, change. Makeover. A makeover of mercy. Make it ever true. Change my heart, O oh God. May I be like you. Oh, would you let God be the potter today? Would you, could you see it from his view that you're really just the clay? That he really wants to mold you and shape you into the image of his son. Can you just quietly in this moment, can you just say, God, let me again be wowed by your mercy, moved by it, 
Just thank him. Can you thank him for the mercy of his constant forgiveness? And the mercy he showed you. And say, God, move me by it. Move me. Move me so that I'll say no to the world and yes to Jesus so that that mercy will transform me so I can be a model of it to others and the choices I make with my body and my mind. Would you do that in this moment, Master? Where would we be apart from your mercy? We can't even fathom the depths of it. But we can be thankful. And may that gratitude not only with words fall from our lips, but may be demonstrated daily in the actions of our lives. Help us to be a people at Faith Baptist Church who have been greatly moved by your mercy, that we would willingly, lovingly be living sacrifices for you. Say no to the pattern of thinking and living of this world and allow you to transform us through your spirit and word that our minds might have a completely different mentality. God, in order for that to take place, of course we need you, but the reality is we need each other. We need someone that will keep us accountable, someone that will push us, someone that will model it for us. May we be that people too. I don't know where everyone is this morning, but I would guess to some degree everyone in this room who knows you needs a transformation. Make us over by your mercy. And for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.